You are listening to the DIY Recording Guys podcast, your one-stop information source for DIY music production, with your hosts, Fadim Karaz and Benjamin Hall. All right, welcome to the DIY Recording Guys podcast. I'm Vadim from Calm Frog Recording. And I'm Ben from DreamLot Studio. What's new, Ben? Not much, Vadim. Um, Bring Me the Horizon just dropped a new single uh, this Friday, so I've been jamming out to that. I haven't heard it yet. And I heard something, you told me this this week. What are they doing? They're doing yeah. like four album releases in one year or something? So apparently that's not confirmed because I, I read the follow-up to the article, but it was a interview, I think it was a Loudwire interview with Ollie Sykes, the lead vocalist from Bring Me the Horizon, and he said that their band's goal is to do up to four albums this year and the idea is they're each going to be concept albums at least from a genre perspective they want very di- distinctly different sounding albums okay that's i guess cool. that's I what like happens that. whenever yeah yeah i do too i guess that's what happens though whenever you have like a high level band that's not able to tour you're just cooped up and you're just writing massive amounts of music yeah yeah that's that's a good point i didn't even think about that do you remember the the band Hum from the '90s? I think they're still around. I just saw somebody. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I think they just released an album. They just did release an album because I saw somebody. It was a sidebar article that was talking about the best new albums or singles to listen to, and it listed "Bring Me the Horizon" and "Hum." So I saw this morning. I was just scrolling through on Google Play, like what are the new releases, and I saw Hum, and I was like, no way, it can't be. It's got to be some other new band called Hum. And I just hit like play on the first 30 seconds of the of track one. And I was like, this might be the right band. So <laughs> it is, man. Yeah, that's crazy. I'm excited. I downloaded it, but I haven't listened to it yet. All right. Well, our, we have a guest episode today. Our guest is Kareem Guy. Kareem started his career as a producer and an artist himself, uh, as many of us do. And within his group of friends, who were also working on music, he quickly saw that there was a need for artists to develop their self-promotion and business skills. And he since started Keys to the Game, which is his outlet for being an industry coach and basically providing content and uh, paid coaching and, and some free coaching as well to artists looking to step up their promotion game. We got interested in him because of a free PDF he has out, which is a kind of step-by-step guide for releasing your music. And that's pretty much what we focused our discussion with him on. Yeah, for the most part. He's got a lot of really good free content out there. I mean, we start really pre-release. We start kind of like, what are things artists should be considering as they're recording music to get ready for their release? And honestly, some of the stuff I didn't really know about. Like we talk about PROs, which are performing rights organizations, right? Performance rights organizations. We talk about the importance of ISRC codes, of maintaining your music catalog. Uh, Then as you're approaching the release, we talk about the importance of content and some strategy for uh, figuring out where to get content, which is sometimes tricky to do, all the way through what you do post-release. The other thing that uh, Kareem went into as well is just talking about some unique strategies for Uh, getting on top of your social media game, especially nowadays where a lot of these platforms are kind of oversaturated with 
content and everybody and their mother is on there with a band or business that they're promoting. He was talking yep. about some really unique ways to kind of be thoughtful and not only have good content, but planned content in advance because it's so difficult to be trying to create content basically on the go every single day. So the more right. planned and thought out you can be about this, the better. Yeah, check out the show notes for access to some of Kareem's free material. He's got a webinar out there right now and as well as this uh, release blueprint uh, PDF. And we hope you enjoy the episode. Today's guest is Kareem Guy. Kareem, welcome to the podcast. Hey guys, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Yeah, yeah. We're really excited to have you here. I ran into some of your content originally on Instagram. I thought I had the longest free ebook out there. I really did. <laughs> but I think you have me beat. I think you have me beat. I always download these free these free ebooks and yours was really good. So I was like, I gotta reach out to this guy right away. So we got a lot of questions for you. Okay. But before we get into that, maybe just take some time and Tell us about your musical journey and how you got to where you are today. So basically, I always had a passion for music. Uh, as far as 2006, I can remember having a bunch of buddies in middle school and we would go to my buddy's basement. I'd bring my laptop my mom had just bought me and we would uh, take a mic, uh, like a 3.5 millimeter head jack mic, and we would hang it from the ceiling in his basement. <laughs> And we would put on an audio. We would put on an audio recorder on my laptop, and then we would play the song in the background on a studio on a on like a little uh, system setup that he had in his basement. And then we would take turns jumping in, recording. And we would all sing the hook together. So yeah, <laughs> that's early, awesome. Yeah, as nice. early back as 2006 is is when like my journey really really began. And then it was one of those things that I kind of just never let go. Like from that very moment that I had just described, I never really stopped making music after that. You know, like I, I always took out time to find some instrumentals and, you know, write some stuff out. And it really took a, a, a huge turn uh, in about 2012, uh, back when I was in college. And some cousins had reached out to me and, you know, they invited me to come and record in a home studio that they had. And, you know, long story short, I linked up with them and they showed me that there was an actual way to record music. And, um, you know, that involved using a digital audio workstation, having your your uh, interface, uh, using Pro Tools. You know what I mean? So I got introduced mm -hmm. to all of that stuff and it really pushed me to be more of an artist. Uh, than I had ever been. And then I kind of uh, fell back on that because as I got introduced to new things with them, I took on different roles uh, that, that, I, that I became infatuated with that would help the overall music machine grow because we were all artists, you know? So mm. every, every single one of us benefited from someone picking up a new skill. So what I did was I picked up a bunch of different skills like video editing, web design, uh, learning how to really put together uh, pr promotion strategies on Instagram. Um, I played the manager role. I even decided that I wanted to produce for a little bit. So I have some FL studio experience. So, you know, as years gone by of us being a team, I I've taken on so many different roles. And in every role, there was something uh, very unique that I noticed. And it was that at every single role that I that I played, there was some type of need for it 
in terms of the music, overall music machine. And there was elements to it that a lot of people were lacking. And even, you know, my team were lacking, but I knew that there was more to it. And that led me to be in the position that I'm in now, which is since I've played so much role, I've gained so much experience in every single role. And I decided to take that and centralize it and give that back in the form of education for artists, because there's a lot of things that I see artists doing uh, or, or not doing rather that, you know, they definitely need to be paying attention to and definitely need to be zeroing in on. And I'm only aware of that because of all the roles that I played um, leading up to where I'm at right now. So this educational role has been by far the most successful role <laughs> that I've played. It's, it's, it's been better than being the recording artist. It's been better than being the manager, et cetera, et cetera. Hmm. And it's something that's really, really working. I've been able to build like a really cool base right now of people who like to take my advice. And I like to learn about this stuff and, and provide it to artists because had I had this information back in 2006, who knows where I would be right now? You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? You yeah, know, yeah. so, so it, I, I just, I just find that being educated as an artist is highly important because it's one thing to be a creative, but there's also the music business side as well to this whole you know, overall uh, industry. Did you find that you gravitated towards those roles or was it, it, was it kind of like the people on your team, the people you were making music with weren't really interested in that? And the reason I ask that is because this is something, I'm really interested in talking to you because this is something that I struggle with myself. And I found that as a DIY musician, the effort it takes to get a piece of music to where it's ready to release is so grueling that I found that like in my past, I never had the energy to like do any of the other stuff, right? So talk a little bit about how you fell into that and what your experience was with that original team. So it's funny that you mentioned that because that kind of was somewhat of the position that I was in. It was a little bit of hybrid of both your questions. It was, um, you know, some people didn't want to take on the roles because I think that they were more comfortable doing what they were doing. So what really progressed me to jump into it is because I, I saw that there was definitely a need. It, like somebody had to do it. You know what I mean? We all mm -hmm. can't be recording artists. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like we all, I mean, or, or we can all be recording yeah. artists, but we all can't just focus on being recording artists if we want to, you know, take our situation to the next level. So that's what kind of forced me into taking on all those different positions and mm. honestly I'm, I'm glad that i did because mm -hmm. it definitely made 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 improvements and going forward now that i have a platform solely dedicated to it i'm i'm really reaping the benefits of all my labor right now with all the great feedback that i get from people so in essence what stands out to me about your story is how instead of taking maybe a more inward focus like i know that i struggle with and a lot of other people think what am I good at? What am I bad at? I'm going to do the things I'm good at and ignore the things that I'm bad at. But instead you had much more of a focus of, you know, where are the needs that aren't being met yet that I can maybe learn to, mm. to jump in there. And the cool thing about that, and you can even see this from industry, like big hitters, people who have been songwriters for years and years and years. And then all of a sudden in their forties, they have like a number one single and then they actually become the recording artist. So I think there's some I think there's something to take from your story and those other people's stories where instead of just saying I want to be the maker of my music and the star of my show just thinking what can I do to like stay busy in this industry and maybe make some mm. lateral movements and learn all these skills 
because you never know what's going to work out for you at the end of the day. So I know, you know, I'm focusing in, in particular on this one uh, release kind of strategy PDF that you had. And I know that the strategy starts even before your music is ready for release, right? So talk about that. Like, when should you start thinking about self-promotion and your strategy? I say before you even release anything, you should do at minimum three weeks of preparation. And that's if it's a single. If it's an album or something like that, maybe add a couple weeks onto that, just because that is obviously a bigger body of work to prepare for. So there's a lot of things that you're gonna wanna have handy for that. But as far as like a typical single release, I say you need to spend at least three weeks preparing, just because there's so much involved in having a successful music release. So you wanna make sure that you have all your ducks in a row and you have everything prepared. It's like, if you take an exam, are you just gonna go and take the exam or are you gonna spend some time preparing before the exam, before you take it? Mm. You know what I mean? So yeah. mm -hmm. uh, the same concept applies for being an artist or, or yeah, like being an artist. Um, you wanna make sure that you take the time to just make sure that there's no cracks in your release and it's just flawless as possible. Um, I say it's possible because there's some things we can't predict, but have it, have it as flawless as possible and, you know, just make sure that you, you, you don't miss, miss any steps. Okay. So where's the, uh, where's the right place to start? Let's say you're an unsigned, you know, DIY musician. Maybe it's your first release. Maybe you've had so, a previous release that kind of was a dud in that, not that the music was bad, but it didn't, it didn't gain any momentum. So now you're in the process, you're writing songs. Maybe you're getting started with the recording phase where do you start in terms of planning for the for the release this might be one that i don't know if most people would even think 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 about this but i think uh, i start with split sheets man that's right awesome let's get into it what is a split sheet <laughs> a split sheet is just a, a an agreement between you and all parties involved in creating uh you know whatever that musical piece uh that you guys decided to create and in the agreement, it discusses who gets what, uh, what percentage of what. And, you know, everyone agrees upon it. It gets signed, uh, becomes an official document at that point. And um, it just reduces the amount of confusion later on, you know, when, the, when, when money actually gets generated from the song. This may be an, a stupid question, but I'm pretty new to this world. So is this, are we talking like, is this something you can draft up yourself, you know, on the Microsoft Word document or on a napkin? Are there legal templates? Should you have a lawyer involved? Like, what's the process? Um, I mean, it's always great to have a lawyer for everything. <laughs> 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 but um, I, I, I don't I don't think you necessarily need it for this just because it's such a simple process. And I mean, you can definitely draft one up yourself if you want. But if it's your first time and you're new to this world, then you're not going to know what to include in it. So uh, there's plenty of people who are very experienced at this online. All you have to do is just go to Google and find yourself a nice template. Um, I'm in no way, shape or form uh, affiliated with this service that I'm about to mention. They don't pay me for anything. I just think they have an awesome service. But SongTrust is definitely a really cool service that has a, um, a very good template. Uh, so like literally all you do is go to Google, type in songtrust.com or songtrust uh, split sheet template, and mm. it'll, it'll have everything you need on it. And it, it's pretty, it's pretty easy to, to understand straightforward. Uh, but yeah, that would definitely be the, the first thing 
that I would I would do, uh, that I would take care of if I was starting that process. Ben, what's what's been your experience? I think you've gotten into split sheets in the past, right? With projects yeah, you've been working I, on. I totally agree with this because just from my experience, even with my best friends, if you don't talk about it up front, people forget. Even if you have the best intentions, and I can remember um, specifically writing an album with my band, and I remember I was at a party. It was me as the bass player with the singer at this party, and he was talking to his other friends, musician friends, about how he wrote this amazing chorus of this song, and I knew that I wrote that chorus. <laughs> and in the process of going through all the recording, he had totally flipped the story around in his head, and he thought that he wrote that part. And it was no, it was no ill will on on his part or not, but if you don't talk about that up front to get that all squared mm. away, then things can get a little dicey after the fact. So I definitely mm. think, and, and it kind of was like you were talking about Kareem, where when we did finally do the split sheets, it was just on a Word document, just saying, hey, this seems fair. I wrote this song, you wrote this song. I wrote most of this song, so you'll get a bigger split of that. That's at least my experience. Okay. It's, it's one of those things that you definitely want to do because when money gets involved, you know, you don't, you don't want to ruin relationships. Like, you know what I mean? Like, this will mm -hmm. save you. This process right here will save you from a damaged relationship or potentially damaged relationship down the road. And who wants that if that song that you made, you know, obviously made, uh, uh, generated enough attention for you guys to be recognized. You know what I mean? So that just means that you guys need to do more of what you're doing. And who wants that jeopardized? by not doing mm. something as simple as just establishing who deserves what when you get ready to release a song. Gotcha. Okay, so you have your split sheet, maybe you're still in the producing phase. What else do you what else should you be thinking about? Uh making sure that I'm my I'm registered, making sure that I'm I'm signed up completely with uh the P PROs. So, you know, ASCAP, BMI and BMI for sure. All right, so again, I'm going to plead ignorance here, and I had this on our agenda anyway. What's a PRO? <laughs> PRO is a performance, right, or performance rights organization. The PROs okay. uh, are, are pretty much very responsible for making sure that artists get compensated for all of their intellectual properties. So are you registering, when, when you're registering here, are you registering yourself as an artist, or are you registering the specific body of music that you're developing? Uh, both really, because both, if you okay. do BM, if you do BMI, I know that there's a you get like a a code assigned to uh, to you, uh, like a like a serial number, a registration number of some sort, mm -hmm. and that's linked to you as an individual. Uh, but as mm -hmm. far as the 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 body of work goes, that has to be cataloged and copyrighted um, on its own separate accord. Okay, so what are the who are the key players here? You mentioned the couple. Just just maybe go down the list. All right, so key key players here would be obviously ASCAP, BMI. Uh, there's another PRO. It's called CSAC, uh, but if I'm not mistaken, CSAC is invite only. You can't go on their website and just apply. You know, like how you can with um, with uh, with BMI and ASCAP. Um, another huge figure here in in this process too would be would be Song Trust because just to revisit that. Um, you, like I, like I said before, you do have to create a whole different profile for both ASCAP and BMI, uh, which I believe they both have catalog management systems of their own. 
Um, but if you want to get everything done all in one shot, if you go on Song Trust, um, you can sign up for BMI and ASCAP all in one location. Or if you already have signed up for those in the past, they'll ask for your ID and you just import your ID and it'll be able to pull data from, from there as well. And then basically, instead of having to go to each PRI separately or deal with each PRI, I mean, PR, PRO, sorry, PRO separately, um, you just go to Song Trust and they do the job of all the PROs. Well, not so much the job of all the PROs, but they make sure that that gets handled in one central location. It's in one single location. So That's from, cool. a, from an actual revenue generation standpoint, and this is where I, if I'm not mistaken, is it that, let's say streaming services. So you have, uh, you put your song on Spotify, it gets some number of plays. Those distributions come, get funneled to you through the PROs. Is that how it works? Or are the PROs the ones actually doing the tracking? Uh, so the PROs are doing the tracking too, because you basically have to put, and don't quote me on this, I believe it's called an ISRC code. Uh, mm-hmm. The SISRC code is basically a thumbprint that you apply to each of your songs. So mm-hmm. when you upload them to the PROs, this allows them to track and manage those uh, those streams. Mm. Gotcha. So so once you've done your registration, when your music is released, you need to get that digital fingerprint, the ISRC code, and then you need to let the PROs know Hey, these are my songs. These are my fingerprints. This is this is this is mine. This belongs to me. Gotcha. This is assigned to to me in various different ways. So those songs I put up on on Spotify, <laughs> let's see, it was 2012, and I wonder why I, I I've never gotten a check. It could be that I just didn't go through the process correctly. Not That's that nobody's it. listening to them. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, you do get a little bit of a payout from your online distributor. So if you have like CD Baby, TuneCore. So on and so forth, you know, they'll give you a little bit of a payout. But if we talk publishing here, um, that payout is just a very small subset of all the streams of um, revenue that could be getting generated from from those uh, bodies of work. Just a small, very small subset, which most people don't know. There's there's several avenues of being able to generate income when it comes to making a musician. You just have to make sure your I's are dotted and your T's are crossed if they aren't then, you know, you're cheating yourself out of money. And then, you know, your money's probably going to end up a black box royalty. Mm. Yeah, that's, um, that's a tricky thing about being a DIY artist, because nobody's going to do it for you. You have to do it all yourself. Right. Publishing is like one of those things where, you know, it's, it's like, it's like wizardry. (laughs) (laughs) Understanding, understanding uh, publishing is, is definitely trickery of its own. And it's, actually one of the like least desired things for artists to know about but in my opinion it's the most important which is why Mm -hmm. when you ask me where i should begin with this process the very beginning is making sure i get paid correctly just because of how much of a strenuous activity it can be and it's very perplexing too that's a great point speaking on publishing now maybe this is a good uh jumping off point i think the first chapter in your uh in, in the in the the pdf i downloaded was signing a record label contract so talk a little bit about that should is that something you should consider if so when should you be considering it and do you need it in the beginning you don't really need the help of a label um because labels are looking for you to be well established already you know what i mean because at the end of the day 
you know, if they hand you an advance, that is an investment. And I don't know an investor on this earth that wants to invest without getting an ROI. So if you have nothing, you know, substantial for them to have their eye on, that means that you still need to put in groundwork. And then putting in groundwork, there's lots of skills that, you know, you'll need to acquire and, and learn about to make yourself profitable or very marketable. Uh, so in the beginning, you don't really need them. Um, even towards the end, or not so much the end, but even when you get to that point of where you attract them, you, don't, you still don't really need them. But you could, if you feel like you've tapped out all of your resources, you know, through your own efforts, and, you know, you do want to broaden your horizon, then that should be something that you consider at that point. Um, but again, starting off, you, you, you can make that a goal if you want, but understand that, you know, it may be a little further down the line and there's still a lot that you'll have to do before, you know, you can even consider, you know, taking the help from a label or expecting them to reach out to you. And I guess a related question is, should that even be a goal? Like, I'm not really clear myself mm -hmm. on what the role in 2020, what, what's the role of a record label? Like, what is it going to do for you? Should that be a goal, you know, to get signed? It doesn't have to be a goal because there's a common misconception that you need to be a Drake or a Rihanna or a Jay-Z or a Beyonce or something like that of that magnitude. And, mm -hmm. you know, if that's what you want to do, great. Those, they make awesome money. You know what I mean? But <laughs> but if you do everything right as a DIY musician, musician, you can have a very, very comfortable living without having to have your name uh, anywhere in anywhere, shape or form associated with a record label. You know, so you can do you can do just great without the help of a label. Um, but if you're somebody who wants to be a Drake, Beyonce, Rihanna, you know, they all had the common thing that they have with them is they have major record labels backing them. Uh, Drake, actually, mm -hmm. I watched an interview. Uh, his label says that he has no budget. Whatever he wants to do, he can do. You know what I mean? And, wow. you know. That's got to be awesome. Yeah. Having, having <laughs> that kind of power and, and, and that reach will only come from signing a major record label. But let me not say only because I don't want to doubt anyone's capabilities. But there's a very, very high probability that by dealing with record labels, you will, you know, reach those levels of stardom or it'll make it much more accessible. So is that just because of promotion, like how hard they'll they'll promote and push your stuff? Yeah. I mean, you got to figure that these record labels have been around, you know, because yeah. of that, you know, their connections and their resources and their networks are so deeply rooted and so deeply tied. You know, I mean, you got families in these industries passing stuff down to one another. You know what I mean? So it. Yep. it it, it, it can be very useful to have that record label behind you just because of how big they are in magnitude. And, you know, as DIY musicians, you know, we're only we've only been doing this for, you know, relatively a small blip in time as opposed to sure. their their, uh, you know, th their journey. I do think it's important to kind of reframe the importance of record labels, because when we were all starting at music or maybe even when we were just fans as kids and we're thinking, hey, maybe this is something we want to do. Record labels played a much bigger part in the whole exposure of artists because the internet wasn't around and we didn't have streaming. Right. So there was really no way to get your music out there without a label. 
But all of that has changed so much. And not to downplay the importance of a label if you want to get worldwide like publishing, but it's much more affordable and simpler and much easier for a DIY artist to do that all on their own. Whereas before, that was much more probably like a a good goal to have, you know, as as a kid who was an aspiring artist, because you really couldn't get there without a label. But I don't think right. the same thing's true now. No, you're absolutely correct. All this these these new resources that are available for musicians are making it um, making it very very competitive and less appealing for uh, labels to get their attention. Just because, you know. Like you said, you're fully capable of handling this on your own. You have this term called catalog organization. Maybe that's something we've already touched on with ISRC codes. Uh, talk a little bit about that. What does organizing your catalog of music mean? So you want to have all your music in one central location. Like let's just like just separate from, you know, the whole publishing and how how having it organized makes that a smoother process. But just in general. You know what I mean? You want to make sure that you have all your music perfectly organized. And if you can, um, one specific location. And then, of course, if you're someone like me who works uh, their day job in IT, you don't believe in having a single point of failure. So you probably want to back <laughs> that up. You know what I mean? But and mm -hmm. I know some artists that are like that savvy. And I'm like, wow. But <laughs> but um, but yeah, start you start there. And then as far as the catalogs go. Um, just having your music centrally organized is going to make it easier to do your importing into the catalogs and online catalogs for your music, um, make it easier to get it to the PROs or upload the music to the PROs because you're adding the metadata inside of those, um, those catalogs. So like, mm -hmm. you know, you're putting, you know, all the people who, uh, are composers for the song. Um, you're putting that ISRC code in there. Um, you're putting any relevant data that uh, just just uh, just makes sense for someone to know who's going to be using the song for maybe like uh, like marketing purposes. So like let's say you know a commercial or a company reaches out to you reaches out to you for a commercial and they say, hey, we liked your song so much. You know we want to feature it in our commercial, and you know they're for their own legal purposes, they're going to need to know who was involved in making that song because they're going to have to report that to like a PRO and that right. way you can get paid. So having your music uh, managed in a catalog with that important data assigned to it and associated with it just makes it an overall smoother process when it comes to cutting those kind of deals. And that's just one of many, like that example that I gave is just one of many kind of deals where having that information in, 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 a, in a single spot is going to, um, and document it, document it correctly is going to, mm. is going to make a huge, huge difference in whether you let you, you are able to secure that deal or not <laughs> really. Cause sure. no company is going to want to do any type of work with you if they can't make sure that everyone gets paid correctly so that they save their butts from a lawsuit later on down the line. You know mm. what I mean? So, you know, that's where the whole business aspect having the, the the business mindset of this music stuff is really going to pay off in the long run because if you're someone that's half-stepping this process or skipping it all along you know look at what look at how big the picture really is and what you're cutting yourself out on 
Yeah, that's that's a really good point. We talk a lot about you know documenting sessions, and I can tell you from uh, experience as a mix engineer, this has happened to me a number of times where we'll finish a session. I'm usually pretty good about writing down like my gear settings and what I did. But to your point is there's a whole other set of metadata you want to keep, who was involved in writing, producing, and so on. And I've even had artists come back to me and say like, hey, can you send me the clean version of this? Or can you send me the instrumental version of this? Because, you know, a company may reach out to you and say, we want your song for a commercial, but we just want the instrumental version or something like that. So in the time when you're making the session, when you're working on the session, it's super easy to just hit mute on that vocal bus and print the instrumental. But if you try to do it two years from now and some of your plugins are expired and you don't remember, <laughs> that's true. It's, it's a nightmare. So I've made it a routine where even if artists aren't asking for it, I will always print like a clean version, an instrumental version, just keep them for later. And I think that kind of is part of that catalog, right? Yeah, that's just, that's making sure you have everything, you know, properly documented, you know, and in and, and whatever folders they need to be in, like you said, like, you know, writing the name, the date or uh, typing the name and the date of the session and all of that stuff to us is just a huge help. And Trying to do that from, you know, your computer can be become a little cumbersome and messy, which is why, you know, you have platforms out there that um, just make the process a, a bit easier. Still, catalog management, I don't care what you do, it's still a, 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 a treacherous process, especially if you're someone who's making music all the time. You know what I mean? It, it, that would definitely be an, an annoying of a process, but uh, it's still necessary. So. What what are I've some services a, that are that are doing this? Sorry, before we move on from that, is that like Song Trust? Is that one or no? Song Trust definitely okay. allows you to do. I actually I sat in on a, a, a webinar that they had for publishing, and I asked the question on the on the webinar, like, do you guys have catalog management? And they say, yeah. Um, and um, MusicSpace.io is another okay. one. Uh, you guys may may or may not be familiar with uh, the, the Avora now on Instagram. They also have like really, really good tips for musicians and they launched cool. their own service um, called musicspace.io. It's really cheap. Okay. It's super affordable. And um, from from what I've seen through their marketing, uh, it looks like it's it's definitely worth taking a look at. And then there's some some more out there that I don't know the name of off the top of my head. But if you just Google music online catalog management in Google, um, you, you should you should definitely see some in the results. Uh, just a quick, interesting story about how important it is to stay organized. I remember listening to an interview with Linkin Park, and I just looked it up. They're signed to Warner Brothers, probably the largest, <laughs> if not one of the largest record labels out there. And they took organization so seriously that on their last uh, record that they recorded, they spent nine months in the studio straight. That's six days a week, 12 hours at least a day. And they hired a guy that did nothing but take notes on wow. everything that they did. <laughs> and and yeah, it's super smart. And maybe as DIY artists, we can't afford to hire a guy just to do that. <laughs> but like, it's just to prove a point that like, they thought it was That's worth important. the expense just to hire a guy to just take notes on. That was everything from uh, what songs did they work on? Who wrote what parts? Where did they store the songs? What, what settings did the guitar player have on his amp when they were mm. like everything? And he said that he put together multiple uh, three ring binders just of their whole experience in the studio. So I wow. just thought that was really interesting. That is intense. Yeah. 
But I, I totally yeah. understand it. It's like being a doctor and needing a medical scribe. You don't have all that time yeah. to sit around and as a doctor and diagnose patients and, and see your patients and um, and also take notes at the same time. So having that extra body in there just to handle that responsibility is going to be super beneficial in the long run. Yeah, I like that. Okay, so now we have our music. It's been recorded. It's been catalog- uh, cataloged. We've registered with some PROs. We have ISRC codes. What's next? First off, you know, how much money you're going to want to put behind this campaign, you know, creating Mm. a budget, you know, thinking about the things that may cost, may not cost, and just figuring out how, uh, you know, you're going to incorporate those funds and have them go where they need to go to make things run. Uh, You also want to start to think about what social media platforms, you know, you're going to actually, you know, launch this campaign on. Um, once you figure that out, then you want to th- start thinking about content. Having content is definitely going to be very important because, you know, when you do when you do pick what social media platform you want to market on, you know, all of these marketing plat- uh, social media platforms are content based. So, you know, that can be in the form of pictures, videos, uh, GIFs, uh, boomerangs, memes. You know what I mean? There's so many ways that you can um, you can accumulate content and, um, I usually recommend that you have, uh, anywhere from like 20 to 30 pieces of different content that, um, that you can have on standby. And then, um, and then, uh, the reason why you want to have it on standby is so that you're not trying to do it as you go. You know what I mean? Create it as you go. Uh, it'll be a lot easier to just have everything waiting and ready to go. So all you have to do is use like maybe there's services out there where you can schedule content in advance that will auto post it for you. So you can literally, you know, just with having those things in mind, um, schedule out your release literally up until the day of. And really all you have to do is sit back and watch everything happen and, uh, and, and moderate it whenever you need to. Yeah, for sure. Having that, always having that mindset of like, is this a content capturable moment? And most are. Like if you're in the studio, if you're in your basement recording with your friends, like there's a ton of content you can generate just from that, even from silly stuff. Like people like seeing your, you know, those little intimate moments of a band at work. Personality. Yeah, personality, which which is a big thing. I know you preach and I want to get into that also, but I, I just want to plant a flag on the fact that I love that you call it a campaign and that's really needs to be your mindset is like you need to treat it like a project you need to project manage it you need to have a budget in place you need to have your strategy like you said which social platforms are you going to use you're going to have to a lot of these social media platforms now are becoming a bit of a pay-to-play endeavor it's hard to get organic reach unless you already have an extensive following and maybe talk a little bit about that as far as budgeting like do you have any guidelines, any rough guidelines for budget? Not in terms of like amount of money, because that's going right. to be personal, but in terms of like percentage, like 50% should be <laughs> Instagram or whatever, you know, whatever you suggest there. Um, that's a good question. Um, I think if you can help it, maybe like 50-50, you know what I mean? Um, you could do like 50-50, uh, or if I had to shy away from that, I'd say like do... organic, 40% P, if you could. Um, Mm. But I I agree with you. It's definitely tougher 
to go the organic route hmm. just because of how these platforms have changed over time and you know their focuses have changed from what they originally were to what they obviously see is best fitting for their platform um but um revenue <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so i didn't want to say it so yeah it just it's just making it tougher to have that organic organic reach now there are some strategies out there that you can you can do that that may help out a bit but you know honestly if I, even in terms of speaking of terms of myself i i get the best results from paid best results from, from paid honestly mm. say something about pinterest because i i know you I actually haven't done this exercise yet, but you you use Pinterest in a in an interesting way to come up with strategies. Like what? Uh... Uh, all my life, every time I've ever used it, it's always been for like outfit ideas or like <laughs> you know what I mean. In terms of ideas for music related things, you don't really think about Pinterest. But I don't know what made me do it one day. I just I just was thinking about like content ideas because I wanted to be able to I think this was around the time that I was working on that e-guide I wanted to think about um um like like some things that I could look up on Pinterest like uh, some things I could type in and then I started typing in stuff like content ideas and the content ideas like people literally have like calendars oh on this day you can post this on this day you can post that or like there's one that I seen that has like a list of like 122 things that if you just can't think of anything to post on social media here, here's a plethora of stuff that you can post. Mm. And for someone who is a musician who's beginning their campaign and needing that content, there you go. You know what I mean? Yeah. Let's take the guesswork, that guesswork, forget about it. You know what I mean? Minimize it as much as you can. And I was able to find, you know, things like that on Pinterest that. I, I instantly connected the dots and was like, yo, people who are, who are musicians would freaking benefit so much from knowing. Them. So yeah, Pinterest, it, it can definitely be used in a unique way. Yeah, that's huge because I definitely find myself in that situation where I'm like, I just don't know what to post. Like, yeah. you know, but <laughs> yeah. So talk about the importance. So this is maybe in a little more in the organic category, but strategies like submitting your music to big Spotify playlists or influencers or something like that. What is the importance of that? And what are some strategies for going about it? So it's important because the playlist, like a, a really uh, frequently moderated playlist and curated playlist that has a bit of a buzz um, is going to be important for you as a musician because if you can secure a spot on that playlist then obviously you're subjecting yourself to their the fan base that they're creating on these social on these uh streaming platforms honestly uh when i looked at like spotify like i really spotify is one of, one of my favorite um one of my favorite uh streaming platforms but when i noticed that they had playlists out there and you could follow the playlist you know what i mean mm -hmm. or like yeah. i had like a profile on spotify and like people are following me like you know like i'm like what is this like i thought we were just here to listen to music like why is there a community <laughs> here you know what i mean but when you really yeah. think about it when you really think about it that's super revolutionary like yeah. that's super revolutionary and now you know anybody can go and create their own playlist and say hey you know here's my playlist about 
da 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 like it could have just whatever specific topic specific genre you know what i mean that you want and then you can put your information in there for people to submit to it and then you can uh promote it you know if that's what you do you know if you have a following like if i were to decide to have a a playlist for um my um other brand hype trilla like I could I could totally do exactly what I'm saying that people should be or are doing right now. You know what I mean? I could completely curate that and just make it separate for independent musicians, which I actually have that right now. Um, But as far as like artists getting onto these playlists, it's literally as simple as opening up the app on your phone, typing in playlists that fit your genre um, and finding ones that don't have that huge of a following so like one that i really like is like rap caviar um they have a huge following you know what i mean so like you wouldn't necessarily want to submit to those because those are that's usually for like signed artists like i don't really see too many indie artists on rap caviar if at all um so like you want to find one that's right in that sweet spot where the people won't be that out of reach you know what i mean Submit your tracks to yeah. them, whatever information that they have on the playlist in the about section or, you know, whatever they call it um, on, on whatever platform you're looking at this. But you want to take that information and you want to reach out to them, however, they're making themselves accessible. And, you know, you might just end up on that um, on that playlist. You're making my the wheels of my head turn a lot just talking about this, because um, this might be a really interesting way for some up and comers to get more reach into especially audiences that maybe they wouldn't even think of before. Um, the reason I'm saying this is because uh, just sparked in my mind. I don't know if you know about this, Vadim, but Jake from Periphery is a huge fan of electronic music and people know this and he has a gigantic following on his, I think it's called Jake's EDM playlist on Spotify and he'll just upload tracks that he really likes to it. And I think it's as simple as, Let's say you're an EDM artist and you wanted to get into that that metal crew following. So maybe you could hit up Jake and be like, "Hey, check out my track." And if he likes it, he adds it to your playlist, and boom, instantly you've got you got exposure to a quarter million people that maybe would never hear your music before. So I I really like this idea. Yeah, of getting it's on like a, it's like a democratized radio, like what radio used to be when we were growing up. Like it's kind of like that, right? Except it's kind of more by the people <laughs> it's very social like like if you do get that that spot on on jake's playlist and someone discovers you you know you have a profile and just yeah. like they follow that playlist they can follow your profile you know what i mean so mm. it just adds this really 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 unique element to the culture of finding new music and as a musician being on those platforms and getting discovered like it, it that's a whole new wave you know what i mean yeah that's a really good point too because back when i was growing up or high school college age it was all about going to blogs to find new music coming up but like it's like these playlists are the new blogs essentially essentially because when i first i first started listening to spotify or using spotify back in 2012 so like this was before, you know, the whole social element, like it, it was just strictly music. Like it was just a mm-hmm. place where you would go that you could just listen to whatever song you want on demand. And it's just very, very interesting to see 
over time how much they've really rose to the occasion and you know can can literally make or break a artist yeah so is that you think is that kind of a a key one i mean i think nowadays when you submit your music for digital distribution does it automatically get pushed to all the streaming services or do you have to pick and choose it does i think you can pick and it choose does. if you want but you know the more places your music is exposed the sure. better so yeah okay. they they generally push them out to every platform we we just did an interview last week or just episode just just aired the week that we're recording this with an artist who has been making big waves Kay Anagonio she's been making big waves on TikTok and I wanted to get your thoughts on TikTok because to me this is where I say I'm old I'm like I just downloaded TikTok last week I'm like trying to figure out what it's about so talk about TikTok a little bit what's your experience with it so on so TikTok is like very very unique um it's it's obviously the newest platform um and what's crazy about it is i was i was thinking to myself one time like we have all these social media platforms out right now that we've just been accustomed with for what almost a decade now you know what i mean and something Mm -hmm. just struck my mind like what's next you know what i mean like what's gonna be the next thing like what is gonna be the next big thing because like obviously all these services are trying to put out features to kind of, you know, increase the longevity and in, 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 in the situation that they have going on. But I, but I was, I, when I thought about it, I was thinking more along the lines of who's going to come with something unique, like something very significantly unique. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, TikTok. <laughs> now, I think what makes it so unique is one, uh, and it's, this is probably one of the most, the, or at least this is what stands out to me the most as soon as I open the app is the fact that it's full portrait. Like it consumes the entire screen. Like, so it's a very immersive experience. And then the Hmm. ease of how it is to navigate and look at the content. Like if you think of like Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, there's so many different like windows and flies, you know, things that, that you can tabs and stuff that you can tap on. And it's just like, you know, it's great to have all of those options, but like, I don't want not to say that we're, we're lazy, but the easier that you can make it for us to consume what we want to consume, you know, the more we're going to consume. So it's the <laughs> same way with, with TikTok. Like, you, first thing you open the app, you get this immersive experience. And all you got to do is flick. Boom. Like, you just flick once. And now you're looking at something that's probably going to be hilarious. Or, like, very <laughs> heart-wrenching. Or, you know, very interesting. Like, some facts you didn't know. You know what I mean? And then you have all these little extra little nooks and crannies to it, like adding effects and filters and stuff where like you can put, you ever see the one with the hands where it kind of zooms in and out and it just seems like you're Mm -hmm. at a party or you're at a raving concert or something like that. Like, you know what I mean? And you can incorporate dance challenges and stuff with all of that. And you know, when they added the ability to use music to it, it just takes it to a whole nother level like mm-hmm. a whole nother level and do you recommend are you recommending it to like artists that you're you're working with yes if 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 you can find some type of way to um you know incorporate it into your your strategy or you know your overall campaign if that's what you're focused on at the time 
you know, make it make sense, of course. If it doesn't make sense, don't just go on your TikTok and, and you know, expecting results <laughs> from it. Like, no, make it make sense. You know, have a have a plan while you're on there. You know what I mean? But I definitely think it's worth exploring. You know what I mean? Just because of how new it is. And uh, another really important thing about it being new is it's it's still uh, very free. You know what I mean? Of, of like algorithm right. restraints and uh, there's no advertising on it yet, but there probably is because I definitely signed up for uh, um, the ability to do so. So it's coming. You know what I mean? It's definitely coming. That's not going to come without change to the algorithm and reach and uh, how, how easily it is now to reach people organically on that platform. Essentially, we've seen that from every giant social media platform that's come come along, like even even from YouTube. Um, essentially, the early adopters that had a chance to gain the big following are the ones that later are killing it. Whereas if you jump on later after they add advertising, it's it's so much harder. I mean, you need you either need a lot of clout, like a being a celebrity or a lot of money. So. It kind of just seems to be the name of the game to get on stuff early and and make your waves. I say that same exact thing, but I also say that pertaining to the newest features that the existing or the current mm. other existing platforms outside of TikTok put out. Like every like I, I could look at my phone right now and tell you I probably have like five app updates. These apps are getting updated every single day. And you know, every day there could be a new feature. You know what I mean? But the first thing you need to think about is being that early adopter and thinking, okay, how can I incorporate this new feature with my marketing? You know what I mean? How can I make this work for what I'm trying to do? You know what I mean? So now, you know, you've got that and you've got this entirely new platform where there's nothing but that, you know, available to you right now. So the faster that you can think about how can I incorporate this, the 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 more you're setting yourself up to be that that early adopter that you know got to take advantage of all those new benefits and now looking i'm gonna call it right now amazon's gonna buy tiktok in the next five years is <laughs> right because because google's got hey. youtube facebook's got instagram <laughs> who's left i highlighted this phrase you know which you had which is sell your personality first so you 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 hit upon that a little bit earlier expand okay uh it's funny that that you bring that up um i was just talking about that with uh, a a newfound buddy that i found online um who kind of does what i do as far as being a diy influencer shout out to the gen z exec on instagram um we were talking about how important it is to really sell your personality first. Uh, because think about it like this, our music or music is a product. You know what I mean? No matter how much it's hard for you to think of it that way, just because you know you are the creative, you're not really looking at you know your music like a product. You're looking at it like, this is my experience and I'm just putting it right. in a digital form. Uh, so you're not thinking of it like that, but at the end of the day, that's what it is. So if you're selling a product, you know what I mean? Like think about, you know, if I decided today, like I wanted to sell soap, you know, if I come to you and I see you on the street, I say, Hey, buy my soap. <laughs> I would run. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
<laughs> like, like you know, buy my soap it, to a random stranger is not enough to make right. me you buy my soap. So right, it's right. like I have to do a little bit more. I have to work a little bit harder. I have to convince you that my soap is worth buying outside of all the other well-established brands that you could go and purchase mm. soap from. You know what I mean? So it's very important that, you know, as, as, as DIY musicians, you know, you think about some really important things like, what is my story? You know, like, what am I going to do to make me more convincing? So when I do say, hey, I have a new song, go check it out. You know, there's just no dead response because I'm going to be honest. I get a lot of people who send me stuff in my DMs and just say, hey, this is new. Go listen to it. And I definitely do mm-hmm. look, you know, if I have the time, I'm going to check it out and see because I'm always, you know, looking for new stuff sure. to listen to. I listen to indie artists more than I listen to commercial music. So, like, I'm always open to it. But mo- I know most people aren't. Most people sure. will just end up left on red. And you have to ask yourself, like, why does this why is this happening? Why is this method of outreach not working for me and you know one of the things that i do is you know i go checking for your story like i look at your instagram and if your instagram doesn't really say much to me you know what i mean then i might bounce you know what i mean kind of like someone on a website you know that's like an actual metric for websites like someone will come to your website try and see what it's about if they can't figure it out or they're not interested in three seconds they're out you know what i mean and it's the same Mm -hmm. way with um with music you know like if i go check out your profile and i see you're telling a story like let's say like your branding is really good you know what i mean and you're someone who uh whose branding aligns with my brand and i'm looking at or your your values align with my values Mm. and i look at your i look at your stuff and i'm like wow you know they really got some really interesting some some interesting content up here let me give their music a shot you know what i mean Boom. boom now it's all about you know the quality of your music the quality of your mix you know what you're actually talking about how you deliver it you know that's a whole nother aspect but you got me there now that i'm in your realm it's like the next thing is how you're going to keep me in your realm you know what i mean so so that's why it's important to sell your sell your personality because you can sell that in the form of pictures you can sell that in the form of videos you can put that touch on your all of your content that you you know you've you've uh, constructed uh, in that pre-release phase, you know what I mean? You can put your little sprinkle of magic dust on there. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, all of that's going to be important uh, in, in, in pitching your brand and who you are online. And, you know, if you can sell that story to me really good, then that's going to be a lot more effective than by my soap. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love that you tied the soap back into it. Yeah. Well, Kareem, I'm I'm in. I'm buying your soap, man. <laughs> um, I want to be mindful of your time here because we're at an hour. But feel free to keep riffing on whatever uh, whatever's on your mind. I know previously, you you know we're easing into you know the mindset that an artist should have when getting yep. ready to start their campaign. You know what I mean? And um, I do want to let everyone know that I have a, a free a workshop where. I show artists uh, a very effective strategy to be able to um, push push and promote your music. You know, I take the guesswork 
out of the whole process of figuring out what it is that you need to do to have a successful release. It's literally a blueprint, like the ultimate blueprint for knowing what to do every step of the way. And I break it up into phases. So there's the pre-release phase, uh, what everything that you should do with that pre-release phase. Um, there's the, the, the re actual release phase. So when the, when the song has actually been out for a little bit, you know, I, I, I explain what you need to do at that point. And then there's the, um, the post-release phase, which is phase three. And that's the final phase, which is where you, uh, you know, you, you're told what you can do at that point in time. And I show you how to transition so that you can duplicate this life cycle for all your releases. And mm. these, this, this cycle applies to whether it's just a single or if it's an album or if it's a music video. So I leave no stone unturned in this workshop. And the feedback on it that I've received has been superb and I'm glad that everyone's enjoying it. And again, it's completely free. Uh, it doesn't cost a dime. Uh, you can get to it by going to the link in my bio on Instagram. Uh, if, you, if you guys don't know. Yeah, we'll, we'll post the link. Yeah. Okay, uh, okay, cool, this, uh, cool. Show notes as well for cool. sure. Yeah. And I have a few extra freebies too for those who stick around to the end of the workshop. We'll definitely put all the uh, all your links and resources mm -hmm. in the show notes, and encourage people to check that out. What what else? Where else can people find you? Other than, is Instagram the main channel you're using, or is there something else? Yeah, in Instagram's definitely uh, the place to find me. Um, you can also see some of my videos on YouTube too. So like basically all the videos that I put on IGTV, I try to also mm. upload them to YouTube as well. And I do have a website too. The website's keys to the game. Same. All the same, all, all all across the board. Um, on the website is where, like, I'm gonna post like uh, you know exclusive content um, for people who you know are in my in my world or in my realm. And um, I also have like uh, individual services too. So if you're someone who really really just needs that guiding hand, you know, I do offer coaching services to be able to help you craft whatever it is that you need help figuring out that you want to craft. You know, so. You know, I get to add my own little personal touch on, on your on your development, which is awesome for both of us. If you go to the website keystothegame.com, um, uh, right at the top of the website, you can actually do like a free 15 minute with me, and you know we can talk about what exactly it is that you want to do, or like you know where you see yourself, or what goals you have, and then you know I can help you, uh, I can help direct you to a service that I have that you know, we'll key in on whatever that thing is that you want to do. Mm. If we need to create a custom plan, then, you know, we can talk about that too. But, you know, like I'm here to help, you know, that, that's my main goal. Like I don't see too many educators out there, especially at, at this very, very important, yeah. important step, you know, being, being indie. So, you know, however I can help, you know, I will. So even though Ben and I already got 60 minutes of your time, are we still eligible for the, for the free 15? <laughs> yeah, <sure. laughs> all right well thanks again for your time and um yeah we'd uh let's definitely keep in touch i'm gonna keep following your your work on instagram and i wish you all the best yeah same, same to you guys in your podcast i i like i said i can't I, I can't wait to be up here again it's been a it's been a huge a huge pleasure like thank you guys so much for having me
If you're enjoying the podcast, take a minute to leave a rating wherever you like to listen to it or share it with your friends on social media. Also, Benjamin and I are working engineers and we love helping people turn ideas into finished productions. So if you're interested in working with one of us or just want to discuss a project you're working on, reach out. You can find my work at calmfrogrecording.com. Get me on Instagram at calmfrogrecording or shoot me an email vk at calmfrogrecording.com. And you can check Benjamin's workout at dreamloudstudio.com. Hit him up on Instagram at dreamloudstudio or by email ben at dreamloudstudio.com. And finally, join our Facebook group to engage with a whole group of friendly, like-minded people who are interested in DIY recording. Just search for DIY Recording Guys on Facebook. Thank you so much for listening and for your continued support. I'll see you next week.